0: Your hey. hey everyone, this is Florence Brummer of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm a mother, wife, movie enthusi- enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover. Follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 25 years. Kind of makes me choke when I say it. And throughout my practice, I struggle day by day to find balance between work and life. I don't have a magic answer on how to balance life in the law and life outside the law. But over the years, I've developed tips for living my best life and enjoying work and time off. This podcast, I'm going to discuss flexible schedules, if you're able to do them, obviously, in some occupations you can't, but the ability to maybe change to a four-day work week if you can, or a four-day work week when at, at, at some point, you know, like... Maybe not every week, but maybe a week here and maybe a week there, and then I'll discuss the benefits of it. So I'm going to finish that up at the end of the show, uh, discussing that topic. And before I get there, I wanted to just give you an update on my brother, Um, still in cancer treatment, uh, has been off of radiation for two months now, but he does chemo every three weeks. He's really suffering, everybody keep him in your prayers, keep him in your thoughts. He has lost a lot of weight. He can't swallow food. He's super nauseated. Um, And he has some things coming up where we're hoping things will will turn it around. In a week, he gets his throat dilated and maybe that will allow him to eat some other foods. He's basically on a pureed diet. And when we first kind of figured that out for him, Initially, it was great because it was new and he was kind of into it. But now that it is several months into it, like not into it. He's just kind of like nauseated at the thought of having another soup again. He's extremely exhausted. If anyone has any tips on cancer fatigue, please let me know. I have been talking to everyone that I can about it, and we've implemented some stuff for him, like sitting out in the sun for periods of time during the day and trying to drink as much water as possible, um, for some physical therapy so he can have some light exercise, just whatever we can do. Uh, so, you know, we, again, we remain hopeful. His prognosis looks good. His The cancer in his brain is smaller. Um, We learned that from a February MRI, and we met with a surgeon at Barrow, and they said that he was not a candidate for surgery, which actually was a good thing. He was not a candidate because even though he has this fatigue and the other things that he's dealing with, he can see Um, like his his vision isn't affected his vision's a little blurry but that might be age related and um, he's not um, you know like crazily falling or anything like that he did have a fall a couple of weeks ago and actually broke a rib so it's like one of those things where I've said one step forward two step back and I'm keep hoping that we get to the point where it's three step forward, five steps forward, ten step forward. Um, we just really need to turn around on it. So anyways, he, he remains good, not great. And thank you, everyone who checks in on him and keeps him in your thoughts and prayer. Okay, so that's that. So um, my last one, um, podcast I recorded was, I think, on the 5th. And I've had a really busy month since then. Um, so that week... I had some hearings and some meetings, just a regular sort of week. And then that Saturday, the 10th, I had a trip to Disney. I tried something new this year. We usually go like the last weekend of January. And I thought, I'm going to go Super Bowl weekend because maybe people won't be going to Disneyland during Super Bowl weekend. The Super Bowl was in Vegas. Um, so not California. There was a team from California that was playing in the Super Bowl. So I'm like, maybe people will stay away. And I don't know if you know this, but most of the people who are walking around Disneyland are from Southern California, like 80%. And then 20% are from other places. Walt Disney World in Florida has people from all over, but Disneyland really really has people that are from Southern California that's who you see when you get there they buy the annual passes they use Disneyland as kind of a backyard park for themselves and um, so I took a gamble with that so we flew out on the 10th I noticed the plane was more crowded than usual from when we usually fly out and I think I have figured out kind of a perfect Trip for Disneyland, especially with little kids. And this applies to, I mean, if you're flying in from Europe, this isn't going to work for you. But if you're flying in, if you're flying in from, you know, Arizona or Nevada, or you have a five hour drive, I think this type of trip really works well. So we go in on a Saturday, we fly in, we go to Disneyland on Sunday and we go to California Adventure on Monday, and then we leave on Tuesday, we fly out. So here's how it it works, and this is how it works specifically for this trip as well. And I've done this Saturday through Tuesday trip for um, a couple of years now. And I also flew with, our group was nine people, (laughs) Um, an infant was one of the group, a three-year-old and a four-year-old, and the rest were adults and my 17-year-old daughter. So she's almost there as an adult. So we all flew out on Saturday. We flew out from Phoenix Sky Harbor. We had to take two cars to the airport. And so we're this giant group. And when you're flying out, I realize how different it is than when I'm going on a trip by myself. Like If I'm going off to L.A. for a couple of days to do stuff with the Film Vault guys or... Uh, do any of the stuff that I do in L.A., and it's just me. I go to the airport, I have one bag, I check my suitcase, I have my purse and my laptop, and that's it. It's super easy to get through the airport. So with three little kids, we had three car seats. We also had a stroller for the baby. We didn't bring strollers for the bigger kids because we figured we could get the strollers at Disneyland, which we did. And I changed the hotel to be basically across the street from Disneyland. Initially, we were further in a hotel that I had a great rate on and I really liked. Um, It was a brand new hotel, but I realized the walking with the little kids wasn't going to work. And we were having one stroller for three little kids. So I changed the hotel and the hotel was... Fine, like it actually. I actually ended up really liking it, but it was called the Fairfield by Marriott, and it had the rooms that are outside, you know, and kind of like a motel, and then you walk in. But it was like seven or ten stories. I can't remember what the um, actual uh, height of the hotel was, but our room faced Disneyland. Not that that was a amazing view. We really were just looking at a little bit of the monorail and like a tiny piece of um, uh, one of the rides. Like that was it. That was all we could really see. So um, it had a pool that we never went in. We were by a Panera and a McDonald's. It wasn't great for like location except for being close to Disneyland. It was a five minute walk from the gate. So the first night, we weren't going to any park, but we had reservations at Goofy's Kitchen in Disneyland Hotel, and that is a fan favorite for my kids. It's a buffet, the characters walk around, and it's really nice. Um, The food is fine, (laughs) like it's not wonderful, it's really expensive for what it is, but We end up really liking it, and I make it more affordable every year by, I have a Disney Visa, so I get 10% off, and also, as part of my Disney Visa, I get Disney dollars, and so I save up all year, and that basically pays for a night dinner at Goofy's Kitchen, um, and you get your sodas with it. You get coffee with it. There's The desserts really are kind of showstoppers. They have very, very nice desserts. If you've never been there, I recommend it. Definitely get a reservation because people were coming up to it. And I think they were being told there was a couple hour wait. So I did a reservation like months before. Okay. And then, um, and oh, here's something else about this trip. On this trip... I found the reservations for the restaurants were so easy to get. In prior years, the times were hard. You couldn't barely get a reservation. Like a a year or two ago, we had to do an 8.30 p.m. reservation for Goofy's Kitchen because reservations were so difficult. And if you get the Disneyland app, you can do all of this on the app. So that was night one. Then we go back, we get the kids to sleep. The next morning we get up really early because we're going to start with an 8 a.m. start time. We get everybody up, out the door. We did breakfast at Panera. The hotel didn't have a breakfast, so that was another downside to the hotel because usually we'll stay at like a Spring Hill Suites or something where there will be a breakfast buffet and we can also grab like apples and bananas for the day. So... Um, we just grabbed Panera. It is twice as expensive as a regular Panera and probably 50% as good, but it was okay. So we grabbed things like croissants and whatever anybody wanted, breakfast sandwiches, and it was like 50 or $60 for us. So we walk over to Disneyland and we start going into Fantasyland. It's 8:10 in the morning at this point, and it is already getting jam-packed. People are filing in just filing in like crazy and I thought well maybe um they will leave later in the day as it gets closer to the game like they want to take their kids early the other thing Disneyland had was a special pricing for kids three to nine so usually they're like the tickets are like ten dollars cheaper than um than the adult tickets. This, for I don't know what period of time, they were $50. So people were there with tons of little kids. So of course, all the little kid rides were totally filled up. And uh, we started in Fantasyland, and we were kind of going through what we could. Then we went to Toontown, and I had the Disney Genie Pass And um, I was working it so we could get reservations for certain rides. And we were kind of hopping around so it worked that way. We had some difficulty because some rides would shut down. And you would get up to the ride, it would shut down. So then we'd figure we'd come back later. My kids told me I was off my game this time for getting us around. But in my defense, I don't think a lot of this was my fault. It just was... We were just having kind of bad luck with the crowds and and how things were happening. Um, So we went to Toontown and then we had a lunch reservation um, at a place called River, River Bell Terrace. It kind of stunk. Like it wasn't great. They had more of like a breakfast menu and we really wanted... And I had a reservation there and it was um one that we had never been to. I'll always try to include something new on the reservations and it was just meh like it was fine and it was pretty expensive you know but it was okay and then we uh did things like Pirates of the Caribbean Haunted Mansion was shut down which is always a huge bummer for us because that might be our all-time favorite ride and we just did some other things like in that area and so my daughter's (coughs) The older daughters decided to take the kids back to the hotel for a nap. Here's another thing about the Disney visa that's nice. You get two different exclusive photo ops with Disney characters. So there's one in Star Wars, uh, like it's a launch, it's called like Star Wars Launchpad. And um, it's usually always Darth Vader. So we went there and it was Darth Vader. The funny thing was he asked my grandson Adam if he wanted to join the dark side Adam immediately joined the dark side and for those of you who know Adam that really makes sense and so after the photo opportunity the older girls took the babies back for a nap and Maggie my 17 year old and I just decided we're going to run around and do what we could and as soon as we start doing this we get trapped by a parade Literally trapped. So we ended up, we couldn't leave. We ended up watching the parade. It really was beautiful. A Disney parade is not like your small town parade, it's so extravagant. The characters are amazing, the costumes are amazing, the floats are amazing. So it ended up being a really special time for my daughter and I where we just kind of watched this parade and talked about it and we were laughing about the day and it was just nice and we ended up in this area that was kind of a off the beaten path area to watch the parade so we were sort of secluded too which was nice so I did a few more things with her and um Every, they came back to the park after the kids napped, and then we started, um, like, the evening stuff. So we went to the Star Wars land, like the new land, and went on some rides there. We tried to... I had a reservation for the bar, but it didn't work out because we had the baby, and they wanted us to stand at this table and because we were too many people. So anyways, we just said, fine, we'll leave. Like, who cares? And then we... um headed, um, to some other things to try to get some more things done. They shut down a bunch of things because of the fireworks. So we walked towards the front of the park and we did the Abe Lincoln. Um, I don't know, great moments with a, uh, Abraham Lincoln it's called. And it's an animatronic Abraham Lincoln that is, from the fifties. It really is kind of amazing. It's very eerie. And it's my daughter Lillian's favorite thing in the world. Like she loves Abraham Lincoln. So we watched that and it was, you know, we were off our feet. That was nice. And we walk out and we're in the middle of the fireworks, basically, except that people weren't watching the fireworks where we were at. They were lined up and down Main Street. So we had this beautiful view and were basically secluded. It was really nice. So even though it was extremely crowded, and by the way, the crowds never dissipated. They were there throughout the entire game. We ended up having dinner in downtown Disney at... um a New Orleans type restaurant and we watched, we actually watched almost the last half of the game from there and the restaurant wasn't super, super crowded. So we had like a really nice dinner and we were at the park and it was like 10 o'clock and everybody drooped. I had planned to stay till midnight and the exhaustion was so overwhelming that we all were like, okay, let's call it a night. So we went back to the hotel and um, woke up again early, went to California Adventure. I booked a character breakfast before we went to California Adventure because we didn't have breakfast at the hotel. So actually not having breakfast at the hotel gave us another nice opportunity. I did a character breakfast at the grand Californian restaurant and it was wonderful like really wonderful the food was good they had a vegan omelet which I know to most people will be like ew but my um, daughters and I like loved it and um, it was a buffet with an omelet bar and it was just really really good I just was enjoying having coffee and juice and it was nice. And it was cheaper than Goofy's Kitchen and and just wonderful. I mean, the characters were coming back around. The restaurant staff didn't um, rush you. It was really great. It might have been one of my favorite moments. One thing that really happened on this trip is, for the most part, we were all together at the same time all together at all times. A lot of trips we end up sort of breaking off because people get tired or they're getting a late start or whatever's happening. Someone's hungry, they go off and eat. And this time we stayed together the entire time except for when the kids napped on during the Disneyland day. So we went to California Adventure and we were running all over to get on rides early like we did. The Avengers and... Hollywood Land and um, Cars Land, and again it was pretty crowded. Um, Lots of people were showing up on Monday. Lots of people with little kids, and um, then we had lunch at a restaurant we really like. There's this Italian restaurant that they have, they kind of like consider it like a like a wine restaurant. Um, like something maybe like you'd have in Napa Valley. It's like decorated like that. California Adventure used to be very much like just celebrating California, and you still have some of those touches left. But for the most part, it's been taken over by a lot of the Pixar stuff and the Marvel stuff, the Cars Land. They really are bringing in their... Uh, Disney Disney and Pixar properties to bring more people over to California Adventure and there was a million people there so after lunch we went back to the hotel we all went back and rested and my daughter Maggie and I passed out like just hit the bricks like I was one of those naps where you're so out of it when you wake up like you can't even remember your name. <laughs> That's how it was. But then we got up and we just um, kind of like got moving again and went over to California Adventure and the sunset and it was lit up beautifully. They have this pier, which they used to used to be like the Santa Monica Pier, but now they call it the Pixar Pier. And the lights were just beautiful. And we went on the rides on the pier and we were taking a walk, and we went into this one area, and it, w- it was deserted. And we just were walking and enjoying. Again, this might have been one of my favorite times of the trip. Just, it ended on such a high note, being at the park, that it it felt wonderful. The kids all went on a ride while I sat with the baby. And the park closed, and we headed out. I think it closed at like nine that nine that night maybe and we went back to the hotel so we're going to bed at a pretty decent hour and then Tuesday we got to sleep in and we didn't have a park to go to and I planned this on purpose so we didn't have to try to get to the park for a few hours or anything like that. I'll tell you the other benefit with doing it this way. I don't I have one park, one day tickets. Those are substantially cheaper than the park hopper tickets. The tickets where you can go back and forth between the parks. I don't like doing that. It's sort of an impossible thing. The parks are across from each other. But by the time you get to the entrance of one park and cross over to the other, you've taken... A large trip, so it's just easier to stay in one park for the whole day. Um, and so Tuesday we sleep in. Everybody gets up at their leisure, pack, shower, just get up on a leisurely basis. And it's Mardi Gras. And usually I do all the planning. And this time my daughter Lillian found a restaurant that was New Orleans themed, that was walking distance. So the, I would say maybe one of the only negative things of the trip was we were, we didn't have strollers for a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And a lot of times, and I can't do it because my back is terrible, but a lot of times people had to carry the kids. So maybe next time we might get an umbrella stroller for them or something, Um who knows? <laughs> we might want to take a, a a little time off before we go back to Disney anyways. So anyways, we walked to this area. It was um, kind of like a shopping center, um, mall area. And it was basically deserted because it was on the earlier side of the day. And nothing was really open for like breakfast except for this one Louisiana restaurant that we went to. It was Mardi Gras. And they did not acknowledge it was Mardi Gras, which I thought was like the funniest thing ever. But um, we went in and we had a really good breakfast. We had biscuits and grits, and and the grits that I had in this restaurant were okay, but the grits I had in the Jazz Restaurant that was outside of Disneyland were exquisite. <laughs> so I love grits. So we just had this really nice, like leisurely breakfast. Our luggage was checked. And then by the time we got back to the hotel, it was time to head to the airport. And we went over to the airport, both times, both leaving Phoenix and leaving Orange County. We went in the American Lounge and just had like a little corner where we set up the kids and got the kids snacks and drinks, and it was great. Um, I will tell you a funny story about when we left Phoenix. So... A couple years ago, as we were going through the airport and it was all bags and strollers and babies and, and, you know, we're running, trying to get to our gate. My daughter Maggie said, we look like the home alone family. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever because we really did. And this time when we were leaving Phoenix, we were at TSA. And I had, I was holding all the tickets, I was holding everyone's ID, and we're doing everybody like one at a time. And I said to the TSA guy, I said, sorry, we're the home alone family. So this takes a while. And he laughed and he goes, well, where's Kevin? And my grandson, Gray, is very blonde. And so like Macaulay Culkin blonde. So I grabbed him and I said, here, he's right here. And he took one look at this kid and just started laughing. So, wow. Oh, that was Disneyland. It like crazy, you know, crazy. Like I was so tired, but it was so much fun. Um, the kids are still talking about the trip and we really just had a nice time. Our hotel rooms were two adjoining hotel rooms. The hotel was no frills, but we've just really had a lovely, lovely, lovely time. So and then I get back and then I call it uh, time to pay the piper. When I was in uh, California, I had one hearing that I had to do. And it was on the Tuesday that we were leaving. So I actually stood out on the balcony of the hotel and did a hearing from there. But it was a, a simple hearing. So I get back the next day, I I have a hearing. And then it's really my Time to pay the piper. I always say that when I get back, and there's a ton of stuff. So that Friday, I had pretty much an all day mediation. And then um, that Sunday, I had a baby shower about an hour from my house. My mom and I went. And then the week, uh, the 19th, was President's Day. So I basically took that off. I worked from home, um, but was just trying to enjoy the calm before the storm. Um, Then I had um, a hearing on Tuesday, and then um, I had a doctor appointment on Wednesday with a spine doctor, where I found out my spine is basically broken. It's where I've been having all this pain, there's a bunch of fractures, and the spine is kind of sliding away from each other, and the disc is gone. And the doctor said, the best thing would be surgery. And um, recovery time is about four months. And for a year, you don't feel great. And I said, well, that's something I really have to think about. And he goes, get a second opinion. I talked to someone else. He goes, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, because it's it's a huge deal. It was shocking to me how he was describing the surgery. Basically, they cut through the front of me to get to the back of me It sounds awful. It could have effects on my ability to twist and bend. So I just really put a pin in it. And I've been trying to do stuff to relieve the pain as much as possible. Um, I have an adjustable bed, and I never use it as an adjustable bed. And every night I've been elevating my feet to neutralize my spine, and that's been helping, I think, quite a bit. There are some mornings where I wake up and to take the first step is agony. And since I've been doing this routine of elevating my feet and then when I want to sleep on my side, I flatten it, sleep on my side for a while, and then usually end the night by my feet elevated again, I've noticed a vast difference. So I'm going to keep trying that. So that was my news regarding my back. The next day, I had an all day mediation. And by all day, I mean nine to 730. And we continued to work on the mediation through email for the next four days after that. The case settled, but it was so long. It, it just took forever. Like I couldn't believe it. So anyway, it's like crazy, right? And then the next week, I have my big trial, like my big, big trial that's been on the books for some time. So my whole week was going to be devoted to trial prep. And um, I started, I mean, I'd been prepping all along because you have to upload the exhibits and organize the exhibits and talk to the opposing counsel to get the pre-trial statement in and there's all these things that you have to do in terms of getting the um, getting ready for it. but then the last few days I, I I basically set up what I called a war room and I set it up in my conference room. So starting on Sunday, I met with the client on Sunday, set up my, staging area in the in the war room, which included all the exhibits, the file, and all of that. Then on Monday, I met again with the client. And I also had two hearings, and that's when I took my brother to the brain surgeon. And then that Tuesday and that Wednesday were all-day preparation, including... Um, I had a couple meetings peppered in, but it was just focused on this one case. And then Thursday was the actual case. And after the case was over, I had to go back to the office for billing. And I will tell you by Friday, I was completely burned out. I went to the office a little bit in the morning and had to call it a day. I just had it, which will play into my, my topic in a little bit. So... Basically, I worked, I don't even know how many days in a row, like it, it, it sort of was like from the 16th to the 29th working almost every day, including some of those days were 16 hour days or 12 hour days. So it was hard. So then I was thinking about it again, and I've talked about this topic before, which is. How much different would our lives be if we worked a four-day week instead of a five-day week? And again, I know some occupations, you can't do that. Some jobs, they won't let you do that. A school teacher obviously can't do it. But I was thinking about it in terms of, and I showed my daughters this, because we were kind of talking about it. It came up quite a bit in my family. My Son-in-law said to me, I think I'm going to start working four days a week. My daughter, who does graphic design, mentioned something similar to that. And I just took my hands, and on one hand, I held up all five fingers. The other hand, I held up two fingers and looked at how that division of the week is, where you have a two-day weekend. And then I put down my thumb, so on one hand I'm holding up four fingers, and on the other hand I'm holding up three fingers, and if you look at that, then it's almost equal, and think about a week where you have a Monday holiday, how different it feels for you, I know it does for me, I know Monday rolls around, and I don't have to pop up before the sun rises, and I can have a day where Maybe I can uh, catch up on some errands or just have a day where I sit and read and it makes such a difference to have that other day. And I will tell you this about my work is a lot of times, even when a day that I consider off, I've still worked in some way. Like for example, I'm recording this on a Sunday. I got up early this morning and I sat at my desk in my room which now I have a desk in my room. (laughs) I have a desk at the office, obviously. I have a desk in my kitchen, like a built-in desk. And I have an office that has a desk in it. And I work at all those areas. And my daughter, Lillian, was getting rid of a desk and she put it in my room and I got a chair for it. And I have been so comfortable working in that area it's right in front of a window number one and I don't have another area that has that and I open up the blinds and I look out at the wash and the mountains and it looks beautiful and I crack the window a little bit and I worked on a brief for a couple hours this morning like right when I woke up and I had coffee at the desk and it was lovely like it was great I don't consider that a working day even though I actually worked. And again, I know people have different jobs and don't have the same thing, but if you can take some of your work and do it in a way that is a little bit different, it can save your mind a little bit. I used to do a thing where I would actually sit at a breakfast place and work and drink so many cups of coffee. But it's sort of hard because you have to like bring your whole life to the to the restaurant. And then if the Wi-Fi is not great, maybe it's not like the best working situation. So anyways, that's my new workspace and I'm really, really loving it. So there's a lot of benefits. There's studies about working a four um, days a week work work week. And in 2022, um, the UK switched a lot of employees' to a four-day work week. And the hours don't change, but it's a shift in the days. And in the study, they found that people were more productive putting their work into four days than into five. And I will tell you a lot of times by the time I reach Friday, I am very burned out. So I try to, to the greatest extent possible, I try to work early on Friday, and then for the afternoon, either work at home or start running errands. This Friday, again, because I was in major burnout, (laughs) um, after I got home in the morning, I pretended work didn't exist, and I went and had breakfast with my daughters, and we went to Costco, and it was a much-needed end of the week. Okay, so that's all I really have to say about the four-day work week. I think I've caught you up to date on everything else. I don't really have any movie reviews because I haven't been seeing a lot of movies. I saw a couple movies that I thought were kind of forgettable, like I saw Ruskin, um, and I thought it was good, but in a way just sort of fine, like it wasn't great, um, I think there was another movie like that that I saw where I can't even remember what it was now. That was just sort of forgettable. But the movie that I saw that I really loved that my daughter saw also also, and we talked about it for quite a bit afterwards was a horror movie from Argentina called Where Evil Lurks. It's on Shudder. So if you have AMC Plus, which has Shudder, or if you have Shudder, you can watch it. It's subtitles. Don't let that deter you. I will tell you, a lot of times subtitles deter me. And I started it one night when I was in the middle of all my trial prep. And I got into about the first 10 minutes. And in the first 10 minutes, there's a very kind of gross scene. It's like distasteful. But... Um, The rest of the movie also is kind of gory, but I think that first 10 minutes is really like the most stomach churning uh, part of it. So um, initially, and I was, initially I was kind of, this is probably my own mind. I was (laughs) not feeling it on the subtitles and my daughter finished the movie first and she said, she was scared, and um, she wanted me to watch it. So on Friday night, I relaxed with this movie, and there were some scenes that made me jump. And a lot of movies don't make me jump. There were some scenes where I was really surprised that they went there in terms of the horror. Um It very much is deals with like the superstitions that you might find in a very religious community or Catholic community like you might find in South America. But also things were really modern. One of the things that I thought was amazing to me was a big part of the movie, like a big plot point was that there was a, very contested custody battle. And it's sort of, I mean, obviously I don't know how to explain it. The custody battle like isn't part of like the plot so much, but it set up why things were a certain way with one character's children. And I thought, wow, like I'm seeing this and the way they're referring to their custody battle and their restraining orders. Like I deal with this on a daily basis and you almost wouldn't expect it like in a rural area in Argentina but why not you know it exists everywhere um God, i i don't even really know how to describe the movie at the end and this will sound weird like if you watch it and you and and you want to call me and tell me i'm a crazy person you can at the end of the movie i was thoroughly delighted and had a huge smile on my face because it was such an amazing horror movie it had just the greatest like plot points and it's it's a a, sickening in parts there's like some parts that are really gross but I felt like it wasn't gross for the sake of being gross it really was instrumental to the plot that's all i can really say about this movie i think it has a giant high score on rotten tomatoes maybe like 97 percent again get through the first 10 minutes and it really starts to zing it's short maybe like an hour 40 minutes and the whole time you'll be guessing and uh, and maybe feel like some tingles up your spine a little bit Okay, I think that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Patreon, um, iTunes. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can find me on... my, my Most of my uh, social media posts are on Facebook, and my website is BrummerLaw.com. Thanks, and I'll be back in a month with a new topic. Stick around, round, 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 round. Stick around. And I'll be damned if I can't slow dance with you. Come close some sugar on me, honey, too. It's a real live boogie and a real live hold down. Don't be a bitch, come take it to the flow now. Ooh.